Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So we've got a couple actual new reports coming out showing that the American consumer, the average Joe and Jane, is really getting squeezed. And when you think about it, this makes a lot of sense when we have high rates of inflation. I mean, inflation has come down. You guys know from watching this channel, we've had a lot of disinflation coming down from 9% all the way to call it 3.5. That's what the government admits to. But 3.5 is still a big number. Uh, especially considered the real amount of inflation, if the government is admitting to 3.5%, is probably somewhere north of, call it 6 or 7%. And the argument that I always make on this channel are real wages have been declining. So let's go over to CNBC, and they actually put some real numbers to this hypothesis. And one of the things that we can see happening just all over the place right now are these strikes and you see this happening, you know, new strikes popping up almost daily. Let's go to this, and then we're going to go over to how many Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And then we're going to think through why this happens, and then what's most likely to happen for the rest of this decade. So then we can start to see, okay, here are the probabilities of the U.S. economy doing this. And then you have to ask what the government's response to that is going to be and how that will impact inflation, how that will impact your portfolio, et cetera. So but we start right here. Why so many workers are striking in 2023? Strikes can often be contagious. Okay, well, one of the main reasons they're contagious is because everyone's purchasing power is going down at the same time. Key talking points. Altogether, roughly 453,000 workers have gone on strike so far in 2023 as employees across industries fight for better wages, working conditions in the wake of the Cervasa sickness. And let's keep in mind, this is the government's response to the Cervasa sickness. So what did you expect was going to happen? Right, You lock everyone in a cage, you reduce uh, production, no one's making anything, but then you give them stimmy checks. And then you're just shocked that we have inflation. And remember back then, it was the same argument that they used for sanctions on Russia. Remember, it's always the same argument. Well, we have to do something. We got to do something. We got to lock people in a cage. We got to give them stimmy. We got to force businesses to shut down. But then we've got to compensate. I mean, we got to do something. No, you don't. <laughs> Often... Doing nothing is the best plan of attack. Now, that's not a panacea, but you have to look at the costs and the benefits. And if the costs outweigh the benefits, then the best plan of attack is doing nothing, which is exactly what we should have done during the Cerveza sickness. We should have given everyone the warnings and let people make their own decisions. If businesses want to close, close. If people want to lock themselves in a cage, and, and live in some sort of bubble like Howard Hughes, fine, go nuts. That is your prerogative. But if you want to continue to send your kids to school, if you want to open up your business, if you want to take your dog for a walk on the beach, for heaven's sakes, you have the ability to do that. And as a result, we're not going to give any stimmy checks. And as a result, people are still going to be producing stuff. And guess what the inflation rate would have been? Answer, a lot lower. And if the inflation rate is a lot lower, what's happening to people's purchasing power? It's staying relatively consistent because their wages are going up at the same rate of inflation. But what we've had is wages going up in nominal terms, but consumer price inflation going up far faster, which means the purchasing power decreases compared to 2019, which is why all these workers 
are going on strike. And then the businesses say, well, we've got nothing here. We can't increase prices because incomes are, we'll see demand fall off a cliff. Therefore, the only thing that can wiggle or, or the only thing with some wiggle room, the only release valve is the margins. And then you have more businesses going bust, which is why we talked about on this channel last week, how that article from the Wall Street Journal said that this year we've had more small and mid-sized business bankruptcies than we've seen going all the way back to the GFC, all the way back to the Cerveza sickness. So th this stuff all makes sense when you zoom out to 30,000 feet. But let's get back to this article here. Next key talking point, the last few months alone, striking or threatening to strike has led to a string of labor deals where workers have pushed and won for higher pay. With each successful outcome, others may likely follow. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot. Uh, I mean, what we have to do is we have to put this into perspective. And here's the context that's important. So you say, you know, we sit there and see the number of 453,000. What does that even mean? Is that high? Is that low? Well, it's actually incredibly high. We look at 2022, there was a total of 224,000. 2021, 141,000. And keep in mind, that's for the entire year. So this 453,000 mark is just January through October 5th. So we've still got a couple months to go here where that like that number is likely going to go much, much higher. And my point is, if you're going to assume that this decade is going to be inflationary, that's pretty much my base case because of all the government intervention that's creating these economic distortions that leads to higher and higher prices. I don't see why uh, we wouldn't see more and more of these strikes very similar to what we saw in the 1970s. Uh, the problem here is in the 1970s, the income was growing at a pretty fast rate as well, even relative to inflation. Problem with today is it's the opposite. And it's likely going to get even worse if we go into a recession, the unemployment rate increases. So they say workers make higher pay. Here's an interesting statistic. Uh, we talk about this concept on this channel all the time. In wake of the Cerveza sickness or the response to the Cerveza sickness, higher prices have weighed on workers' paychecks. Real average hourly earnings fell 2% over the last two years. See, that's what I'm talking about. You can sit here and when we look at the jobs numbers and everything that they're saying on CNBC or Bloomberg, whatnot, they sit there and say how wages are up. Oh, this is fantastic. This is great for the workers. Look, it's a resilient economy. It's a resilient labor market. Look at wages are up again. Okay, now let's adjust for inflation. And then we get a much different picture. When you adjust for inflation, again, this is not according to tinfoil hat George Gammon guy on YouTube, this is according to the Labor Department, earnings, real earnings have fallen 2% which makes sense now that we have all of the stimmy check or the additional savings from PPP stimmy checks, people not having to pay their rent, people not having to pay their student loans. Now all of this is being depleted. And we're at the point where there's pretty much no more left. And so these people, they say, my gosh, my savings account has dwindled down to zero. I don't know how I'm going to put food on the table because my wages haven't kept up with the rate of inflation. I had that buffer of additional savings, but now I don't have that anymore. Now I have to pay my student loan back. This is going to be disaster, and I can't go out and get another job because now the labor market isn't as tight as they're saying in financial media. Therefore, another option is to go ahead and strike because I see all these other uh, uh, workers out there that are having a decent amount of success. So if they're having success, why shouldn't we do the exact same thing? And I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. I'm just saying we've got to look at the 
knock-on effects, which are going to be margins decreasing for a lot of these businesses. And it's going to force a lot of businesses bust when we do have a recession and their revenues decline even further, but their input costs have skyrocketed. And it's not like we blame the workers for heaven's sakes. It's not their fault. We don't blame the businesses. You've got one entity to blame and one entity only. That's the government, the central planners, the politicians, the authoritarians. This is all their fault. You have to ask yourself, if they wouldn't have locked people in the cage, if they wouldn't have done all these crazy things that they did, would we have had year-over-year price inflation by 9% just six, nine months ago, whatever it was? And if your answer is yes, you tell me why. Why? If nothing would have changed, but a few people would have stayed home and maybe a few people would have shut down their business, but we wouldn't have done this deficit spending, we wouldn't have done all the PPP, we wouldn't have done all this mortgage forgiveness or whatever they were doing. You think that we would have had inflation almost at 10% year over year? I think the probability is incredibly low. Just tell me the catalyst that would have taken it to that level. I can't think of one. So again, we have one entity to blame here. It's the central planners. It's the politicians. It's the authoritarians. It's the government. Bottom line, end of story. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out of control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Now let's go to another article that talks about something uh, we've referenced on this channel. And it's it's just mind-blowing. Every single time I go over an article like this, I just really can't believe that this is accurate. Uh, they say that 60% of Americans are still living paycheck to paycheck as inflation hits workers' wages. And this, of course, dovetails right on top of what we just uh, discussed, which is all these workers that are striking because their purchasing power has declined massively since 2019, and they're running out of this additional savings that they were using to bridge the gap between their paycheck and what their monthly bills are. The key talking points here, number of Americans who say they are stretched thin has remained stubbornly high. Yeah, oh, I thought this was a booming economy. You know, I thought the we had this blowout jobs numbers. Well, how are we having – and here's the way to look at it. Assuming that we do have just an incredibly amazing, booming labor market, all that, and we still have 60% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck, that's with an unemployment rate at 3.8%. That's with a booming economy, according to them. That's with an incredibly resilient labor market, right? So what happens if we go into a recession and the unemployment rate goes from 3.8 up to, let's say, 6, 7, 8, something like that, which, by the way, is what the Fed is trying to do. They're explicitly stating that they want to increase the unemployment rate. Okay, fantastic. So if we're at 60% 
of Americans living paycheck to paycheck at 3.8, where are we going to be at 6%, 7%? You see, if we have this many strikes with the unemployment rate at 3.8, again, what, 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 how many workers are going to be striking? And what is that going to be doing? What will that do to American business? What will that do to productivity? What will that do to margins at a much higher unemployment rate? It's a rhetorical question. You guys know where this is headed. So if this is the same article that I'm thinking about, uh, what's really shocking is not just the 60% number, which in and of itself is just crazy, but it's the level of people earning over $100,000 a year that are living paycheck to paycheck. And yeah, so right here, let me read this. This is just really, it's unbelievable. Now, 76% of consumers earning less than $50,000 a year and 62% of those earning 50 to 100 were living paycheck to paycheck. 76% of earners making 50 grand a year or less. And so you would kind of expect a high number there, but you would not expect a high number for those making $100,000 or more. And that's 45%. 45%, almost half of everyone making over $100,000 a year is living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, th that is staggering absolutely staggering. So then you have to ask yourself, well, why is this? And a big reason is because of the consumer price inflation, which is a result of the government creating economic distortions. So then we can take that kind of base case, we can take those fundamental facts and say, okay, well, in the future, throughout this decade, assuming that we're going to go through these cycles of inflation, disinflation, inflation, disinflation, very similar to what we had in the 1940s, because of all of this additional government deficit spending. That's my base case. I think most of you would fall in line with that. You have to ask yourself, are the government economic distortions going to be more or less in the future? I would argue that they're going to be more. So we see more what got us here the first three years of the decade, that what got us to 9% inflation, in other words. And then we have to assume that over the next call it seven, eight years, whatever, that we're going to see more and more of these spikes where inflation doesn't just go to nine, but it goes to 12, it goes to 15. Who knows? It might even go more before it comes back down, just like we saw in the 70s and the 1940s. And then you know that during those spikes, it's going to be more of the same, where inflation is going to go up, nominal wages, excuse me, nominal wages are not going to keep pace. Therefore, the purchasing power is going to get down, go, go down even further and the average American is going to continue to get squeezed. And it's it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And when you have the government intervening in the free market, at some point, you got to pay the fiddler. And uh, it's very sad, but it's true that usually the people that have to pay that price are the poor and middle class. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism, and we'll see you in the next video.